After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Y'all, I don't know. I don't know if, if, you know, this just gets old to us. But that is such a powerful prayer. That is such a powerful prayer. Uh, before I go any further, I want to say I'm glad to have Brother Alton Barty with us here. Brother Alton is a, a pastor in our area, and uh, we claim him too in our church. But uh, he, he, you saw him last night. You saw him at what he does best probably, working around the altar, praying for souls. Pushing people to go on with God. I'm telling you, it's wonderful. And, uh, and we appreciate Brother Alton so much. Father, we love you. We're thankful for this privilege that we have to worship God and glorify God. And we pray that you'd help us and anoint us, Lord, to be a blessing to the people of God this morning. God, help us, Jesus, to love you better. Help us to be more like you, Lord. Strengthen us, Father, through the power of the Word of God. May the anointing of the Holy Ghost be upon us, Lord. We'll give you the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I appreciate these wonderful testimonies this morning as well. And throughout this meeting, I thank God for, you can be seated. I thank God for the testimonies of God's people. And I think really, that sometimes we fail to realize the reason that we come together. The Bible tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. We don't just come to be, um, you know, uh, spectators in the house of God. We come to be participators in the house of God and in the work of the Lord. And uh, I appreciate that. I, thought about last night, Brother Dole is talking about notes, using notes. I have a friend of mine that he doesn't use notes and he's a wonderful preacher, very prominent preacher. And uh, so he was telling another preacher, he said, uh, Brother, I want you to pray for me. He said, the devil's stealing my thoughts while I'm preaching. The other preacher said, but brother, He's never stolen my notes. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to preach to you this morning for a few minutes on an appeal for God's will. I have been preaching to you from the first part of this Lord's Prayer concerning the interest of God. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Now thy will be done. And this phrase, we have mentioned every time that this phrase, in earth as it is in heaven, qualifies all of those petitions. 
hallowed be thy name in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is a weighty petition. All of these are weighty petitions that Christ has taught us to pray. And I think really that this prayer can only be prayed by those who are convinced that God's will is preferable to my will. Thy will be done. And for the disciple of Christ, the will of God is the rule of his life. He desires that the will of God be carried out on earth just as it is in heaven. And we know that in heaven, the angels fulfill the will of God perfectly. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Peter took out his sword to defend Jesus, Jesus rebuked him. He said to him, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father? And he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels. If I understand it correctly, and some of you Bible scholars here know more than me, but uh, if I understand it correctly, a legion was a Roman military company of around a thousand men, or six thousand men. And so twelve legions would have been about seventy-two thousand angels. And all of these angels were subject to the will of God. And the disciple prays that God's will be done in earth just like it is in heaven. That men will respond to the will of God just as readily as the angels in heaven respond to the will of God. And we pray this prayer because at the present time the earth is not ruled by the will of God, but fallen man resists the will of God. And the will of God has competition on the earth. And I want you to see from the scriptures some of this competition to the will of God. First of all, there's self-will. And in describing the unjust and the wicked man, Peter declares in 2 Peter 2 and, 9, 2 and 10, Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. They are self-willed. And the self-will is in competition with God's will. Men that are self-willed or selfish, self-centered, stubborn, stiff-necked. This is what God rebuked Israel for over and over again. You're stiff-necked. Hardened in heart. One of the requirements of the bishop in Titus 1 and 7 is for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed. A person cannot at the same time be self-willed and subject to the will of God. Denial of self involves the renouncing of our self-will and submitting ourselves to the will of God. And then there is the will of Satan. And the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 25 and 26, Paul's giving instructions to Timothy in dealing with lost souls. And he says to him there, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves or oppose the truth, 
If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. The sinner, I think, really often fails to realize that his self-will is really directed by the will of Satan. And Satan effectively disguises himself in his presence and influence in the sinner's life so that the sinner fails to recognize that he's being manipulated by hell and the devil is talking to him, whispering in his ear, telling him lies about God. The only reason why a person would not be saved is because they believe some lie about God. They don't know Him. They don't know how wonderful He is because the devil has testified to them and lied to them about God and about His Son, Jesus Christ. And the devil justifies their sin and gives them excuses for their rebellion against God. And they think they have a good reason for what they are doing and the devil promises them things that he cannot fulfill in their life. And though all the time they don't realize that Satan is giving directions to their life. The will of Satan is in contradiction to the will of God. And then there's the will of the world around us. Peter identifies this influence that's working in the life of the unbeliever, he calls this influence the will of the Gentiles. And in this context in, in, in uh, Peter, the Gentiles are those people who live outside the kingdom of God. They're the people of the world. They have a powerful influence on the sinner, yeah. on all people outside of Christ. And Peter says in that context, for the time past of our life, may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness and lust and excess of wine and revelings and banquetings and abominable idolatries. We call this in young people peer pressure. And, you know, for everybody, regardless of their age, the devil has a social snare for you. There is the will of the world around you. And the world finds you offensive when you do not go along with the will of the world. So we are, the, the will of God is competing with self-will. And the will of Satan, those are taken captive by him at his will. And the will of the world around us the will of God is in competition. And so in the Lord's Prayer, our concern is that the will of God replace our self-will, replace the will of Satan, and replace the will of the world around us. We are praying thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I want to speak to you about the source of the will of God and surrender to the will of God and the satisfaction in doing the will of God. I want you to see the source of the will of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17 
that we are to know the will of God. He says, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now the implication here is that if you don't understand what the will of the Lord is, you are unwise. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, I want you to understand this as well. Wherever God gives a command, His command is also a promise. You can know the will of God. There's a lot of people that spend their life saying, I'm trying to find the will of God. You don't have to spend your life trying to find the will of God. I'm telling you, God will let you know what His will is for your life. We're to understand what the will of the Lord is. And God will manifest His will to us if we sincerely seek the will of God. Paul prayed for the Colossian church like this in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It's important that not only do I understand the will of God, but that the people of God that I know, that I work with, understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul was praying for this church that they would understand the will of God. It's important for God's people to be aware of His will. And in Romans chapter 2 and verses 17 and 18, Paul is reproving the Jews. He said to them, they have the law. And by that law, they acquired the knowledge of God's will. He said it like this. Behold, thou art called a Jew. You rest in the law. You make your boast of God. You know His will. You approve the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law. Now, I want you to understand this. If you want to know the will of God, the will of God is laid down for us in the pages of His book. There's a lot of people that I've heard through my life say, I want to know the will of God, but their Bible is collecting dust. You don't really want to know the will of God unless you are constantly searching out the mind and will of God in the Word of God. God's Word will let you know what the will of God is. Hey, I'll tell you what, let me just say some things that I know the will of God is. The Bible tells us the will of God, even your sanctification. The Bible tells us that we are to be thankful in all things. This is the will of God. Yeah. There's some things that the Bible just lays out so clearly. This is the will of God. Amen. And so when we get into the word of God, we find out what is the will of God for our life. Now, there, there are some things that the Bible doesn't just address specifically, you know. But there are principles in this book that will guide you through the maze of life. In making decisions, those principles will help you to make the right kind of decisions in the will of God. The Word of God reveals to us God's will. But now to understand that there must be a surrender to the will of God in our life. The prayer of Jesus that he prayed in the garden went like this, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Now, I don't, I don't really believe that Jesus was dreading death in this prayer. 
I really believe that Jesus was looking to that time, this mystery of the cross, when he would cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so when Jesus is praying this, I believe that Jesus was saying to his father, if there is some other way to accomplish redemption for men, if there's some other way that men can be saved, Lord, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And the Lord submitted to his Father's will. He set an example for us in this prayer that we are to be submitted to the will of God. And I want you to understand that this battle is fought in our lives, not just one time in life, but throughout life. We face situations in life where we come up against the will of God and our will in contradiction. And we have to go to God and pray it through until we can say like Jesus, not my will, but thine be done. Hey, everybody here's had to face that. Everybody here's had to go through times in your life when your will was in contradiction to the will of God and you had to pray until you could say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to tell you something, brother. you got to surrender to the will of God. And when you do, it don't matter which way God says to do it. And Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be squeezed into the mold of this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I don't believe there's three levels of God's will. I believe that the one will of God is all three. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The will of God is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Hallelujah. Praise God. And when it says, you know, that you may be able to, it means that you'll be able to discern the will of God. And when a person is not submitted to the will of God, it's very difficult to discern the will of God. And they tend to follow their own will, make their own path. But when a person is surrendered in their heart to the will of God, they're able to discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So uh, one man said it like this, dedication leads to discernment and discernment to delight in God's will. When you, when you are surrendered to it, you find out what it is, you begin to live in the will of God, you find out it's good, it's acceptable, 
It's perfect. Hallelujah. Praise God. There was a certain man that was reminded of this scripture in James chapter 4 and verse 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. He replied to that scripture that was quoted to him, Huh, I aim to do it whether God wills it or not. Now there's a lot of people who wouldn't say that. But their life proves that's their attitude. I aim to do it whether God wills it or not. Years ago I was preaching in the jail and uh, this uh, man, he, he, he said to me, he said, preacher, he said, I've, I've been married before. My wife's been married before. Uh, or my girlfriend, rather, has been married before. So we, we, we decided to study the scriptures together and we decided that it'd be wrong for us to get married. I said, well, you're right. He said, but... We've just decided to get married and go to hell. I just thought, my, what an attitude. Well, you know, there's, there's, this is not an unpardonable sin, but just to say, well, I'm just going to do it and go to hell. There's a lot of people that have that kind of attitude. My sin means more to me than heaven. I'll just do it and go to hell. The will of God seems to be so repugnant to some people, they'd rather go to hell than do it. I had a friend that told me one day, he said, you know, when he's going with this girl, he said, I was afraid to ask God about it. I was afraid he would say no. So he went ahead and got married. And then... Later on, he told me, he said, this has been the most miserable years of my life. So he would have been much better off. Hey, you know, one of my boys told me one day, he said, he said you know, Daddy, he said, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just afraid. He said, you know, what if God wanted me to marry somebody that I thought was ugly? <laughs> That's the way young people think sometimes, you know. Oh, about that will of God. Oh, whoa. I don't know about that. I said, well, son, God ain't going to cause you to marry somebody you think is ugly, you know. Uh, he's going he's to make that person attractive to you. you know, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder anyway, isn't it? And uh, I just tried to assure him God's not going to make you miserable. God's got a, a good plan for your life. Young people sometimes afraid of the will of God, afraid God's going to steer them somewhere. They're going to be miserable, you know. But, but, but the will of God is good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. Hey, there are about four C's that's going to determine whether you go to heaven or hell. One of them is your companion. My father-in-law used to tell me, he said, whoever you marry will just about decide whether you go to heaven or hell. Now, that doesn't have to be that way. But it is often that way. That whoever you marry just about determines whether you go to heaven or hell. Young people, pray it through. Pray it through. 
God, whatever your will is. I prayed for years about my wife. I, I, I dated one girl, married her, been married to her this year 45 years. Ain't looking for nobody else. Hallelujah. Praise God. And when I went to the altar to, to marry that girl, I felt just as comfortable that this is the will of God. I couldn't have been more certain of it, I don't believe, that this is the will of God. And this is, this is what we must do. We must pray until we know the will of God. Now listen, we got a lot of young people here and I appreciate all these young people. I thank God for them. And they're in these altars praying and seeking God. And, and I want them to stay in the house of God. And who you marry is going to matter and may determine whether or not you stay in the house of God. One man said the only thing worse than not being married is being married and wishing you weren't. Pray this thing through. Pray it through. And listen, when I was praying about my wife, I prayed until it didn't matter. I loved her, but I was willing to let her go if that was the will of God. You got to pray it through, young people, till you know the will of God. My grandmother used to say getting married is like, like taking a leap in the dark, but I believe it can be better than that. I believe you can pray and get God's will about it. And then there's that career, you know. This, uh, what you do with your life, the job you have is going to have a bearing on your eternity. You choose a job that's going to keep you out of the house of God. You choose a job that's going to keep you from the fellowship of God's people, from hearing the word of God. You're going to, you choose a job that's going to cause you to have to fudge the books, tell lies, go to places you shouldn't go. Associate with people you shouldn't be associating with. I'm telling you, the devil plans long range for you, young folks. And when you're considering a career, you ought to pray. And this is one reason why it's so important for young people to get saved while they're young before they make these critical decisions that's going to have a bearing on their eternity. Your career is going to be so important to your eternity. And you want to choose carefully according to the will of God. And then there's your um, community where you live. That's important as well. And I know that God can keep a person if they live within uh, earshot of hell. But it's going to matter to you and to your family where you live. It's going to matter to your posterity. It's going to matter to your children, the community that you live in. It is not, hey, it is not just, uh, how shall I say this? Uh, it, it is critical. It's not something that you should take lightly where you live. It should be something you put before God your will be done. And then there's that church you go to. You know, 
Some of you would think, well, it doesn't matter. My children are going to church. I'm thankful they're going to church. You know, it don't matter where they go to church. Hey, it matters where they go to church. Oh, yeah. Praise God, brother. Henry testified about the WPC and how thankful he was for it. And you know, here's what I believe. God has a church for you. It's not you to de- up to you to determine that. It's up for God to send you there. And, and when God sends you there, it, it isn't up to you to decide when to leave. Just when you get your feelings hurt, the preacher steps on your toes, you get upset with somebody, and here we go off somewhere else. Hey, I'm going to tell you, brother, it's the will of God for you to be there. Don't you ever leave until God says it's time to go. Hey, that's, that's not just for the laity either. That's for the preachers as well. I've been at my church now almost 40 years. And it was a startup church. We started out with me, my wife, my son, and, uh, and one other family. And there's three in that family, a man, his wife, and son. There's six of us. And brother, for a long time, we plowed with just a handful of people. And through the years, it just grew so slow. I thought, God, somebody else can do a better job than this than I can. And I, there were times I wanted to leave. I wanted to go. I, I said, somebody else surely can do a better job than this. And I was praying about it. I done got to the point where I felt like it was time for me to go. And so I was preaching down in uh, Georgia, Rome, Georgia, for Brother Dennis Morgan, Silver Creek Church of God. And I was preaching in the day services. And uh, Brother Keith Speed was preaching at night. So my wife and I were both praying about leaving our church. And that night, one night, Brother Keith Speed got up and he started preaching. I'm a working on this wall and I can't come down. And every once in a while he'd stop and say, all right, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm working on the wall and I can't come down. And so I'd have to turn to my wife and say, I'm working on the wall <laughs> and I can't come down. And a little bit, he'd say, all right, turn to your neighbor and say it. I'm a working on the wall and I can't come down. And I had to turn to my wife and say, I'm a working on the wall and I can't come down. Woo, hallelujah. I tell you what, brother, God spoke to me and heard just as clearly as if he'd spoke directly out of heaven you stay where you're at. We're in there almost 40 years now. I've got a great church now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Woo, hallelujah. Hey, I'm going to tell you, brother, the will of God is good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. Praise God. You pray, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life. Your will be done in my home. Your will be done in my church. The will of God is wonderful. 
There's satisfaction in doing the will of God. You remember Jesus at the well with this woman in Samaria? And Jesus gave this Samaritan woman a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And when the disciples returned uh, from the store with the food, Jesus said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And the disciples thought that somebody had brought him some food while they were away. But Jesus explained to them that there was something more satisfying than food for the body. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This is more satisfying than food for the body. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. There's great satisfaction, brother and sister, in doing the will of God. You know that you've lived for a higher purpose than just self-will. You know that you've lived for a higher purpose than just the will of the world around you. You have lived for the will of God. You've lived for His glory. You've lived for His honor. You've lived for a higher purpose. Hey, I'm telling you, brother, people live on such a low plane of life when they could live on the highlands of life and doing the will of God in their life. The satisfaction in doing the will of God. You remember in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 7, the sacred writer references a messianic psalm. He said, it is written, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Jesus set the example for us, doing the will of his heavenly Father. And you understand that heaven is a place where the will of God is done. Nobody will ever enter heaven who has refused to seek and to surrender to the will of God. Jesus describes a judgment scene in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Jesus, let us know that in the day of judgment, the main thing, the thing that's really going to matter, the manifestation of our faith in him, did we do the will of God? This is the fruit of our faith, brother. Doing the will of God is the fruit of our faith in Christ. And at the day of judgment, it's going to be either my will or God's will. Which one controlled my life? Now I wonder this morning, is the will of God the God of your life? Is Jesus really the Lord of your life? Is the will of God that important to you? That you seek out the will of God in your personal life? 
in your home life. I'm tell you what, brother. It matters where you go on vacation. It matters what you do on your vacation. You know, I have this idea about vacations, you know. I always feel like if I come back from my vacation without drawing closer to God, I wasted that time. If I come back from vacation further from God than I was when I went on vacation, I feel like I wasted that vacation. Was I in the will of God? Did I go with it? Where, you know, was, did it matter to me if I was in the will of God? No. When I get to the end of life, this is what's going to matter. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. 